We're continuing our series in the discipleship journey, and um, if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at a couple of scriptures, but uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. We'll get there in a minute. With the, uh, <clears throat> the baby boomer boomerang, or baby bottle boomerang, uh, reminds me of a time years ago I used to serve on the board of the Southern Tier Pregnancy Resource Center. And I, I remember one board meeting where um, one of the board members came in and she was all excited because she was going on vacation. And, uh, it, you know, you could tell it was a vacation she really needed. She and her husband had booked flights to Daytona Beach and she was just like, I need this time, a week on the beach, relaxing and just recharging the batteries. So the month later, when we got together, we were excited to hear how her vacation was. And when we said, how was your vacation? Her face fell. And she said, it was terrible. It was terrible. Um, and she told us what happened. Everything was teed up for an amazing vacation. I mean, they had the time off. They had their flights booked months in advance. They had the suitcases packed, everything ready. And the night before, they got an alert on their phone that it was time to check in. And when they looked at where they were checking in, their flights were not booked for Daytona Beach. Their flights were booked for Dayton, Ohio. <laughs> and it was too late to change the flights. So as I remember, they just drove around wondering where do we go for a week. When you're looking at a journey, the destination is kind of the most important part of that journey. We began this series, The Discipleship Journey, by considering the beginning of the journey. That moment when we hear Jesus say to us, follow me. Every believer, that's where your journey began. Follow me. For some of you, I mean, it may look different in our lives. It does look different in our lives. Some of you, you were brought up in a Christian home. And somewhere, at some point, your heart said yes. You heard Jesus say, follow me, and your heart said yes. But you know what? It may have been such a gradual process that you don't even know the moment when you said yes. But you said yes. Others of you, you may have been more like Saul on the horse riding against Jesus, and Jesus just knocked you down and said, you're going to follow me, and your heart said yes. For me, I was 15 years old. I was at a Baptist service. Um, I didn't know what was going on when they had the altar call and they had everybody raised. You know what they do at Baptist churches. Every eye closed, every head bowed. And if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, raise your hand. Well, here's the thing. I'm 15 years old. I'm thinking everybody in this room is raising their hands. Yes, I want Jesus. So I raised my hand. When the guy said, I want you to come up front, I was so surprised and embarrassed. I had no idea I was going to be called to the front with a few other people. But here's what happened. So I had no idea. I was clueless. I was clueless as a young person. I'm still clueless. But as I'm walking forward, <clears throat> here's what's going on in my heart. Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to follow you. So whatever it looked like for you, you became a believer when you heard Jesus speak to your heart, follow me, and your heart said yes. That's the beginning. That's where it begins. But where is Jesus taking us? 
what is the destination of the discipleship journey that we're on? Well, simply put, the destination is becoming like Jesus. And I want us to look at, first of all, Matthew chapter 10, verse 24, and we'll have it on the screen, um, where Jesus says this, excuse me, a disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. Jesus says the goal or the destination of the disciple is to become like their teacher. Now, if you have your finger in Romans chapter 8, let's read verses 28 through 30. Paul writes this. This is an awesome passage, by the way. And we know that for those who love God, all things, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. We're going to hear what his purpose is in verse 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. I want to read that again. For those whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he also he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Now listen, there is a lot of wonderful faith-building theology in these verses. But what I want to call our attention to this morning is verse 29, where it says, God predestined, or we could say predestinationed us to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That's the destination he has preordained for us to arrive at. The destination of the discipleship journey is for us to be like Jesus. That's where we're going. The question is, how can we know we're heading in the right direction? How can we know we're heading in the right direction? We don't want to spend, metaphorically speaking, our life on a flight thinking we're heading to Daytona Beach when we're really heading to Dayton, Ohio. No offense to Dayton, Ohio. But in other words, we don't want to spend our lives thinking we're reflecting Jesus when we're not. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 7, we're not going to turn there, but he tells us in Matthew chapter 7 that a person is recognized by the fruit that comes from their lives. And in Galatians chapter 5, Paul contrasts the fruit of the Spirit with the fruit of the flesh. Now, Here's what I want to emphasize and underline for us this morning. The fruit of the Spirit is much more than just good fruit. It is Jesus' fruit. The fruit of the Spirit represents what Jesus is like. It is his heart. It is a window into who Jesus is. And as we look into that window, here is what we see in Jesus and who he is. We see love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, 
goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. These are a window into who Jesus is. And as we grow in this fruit, the purpose of it isn't, the, the fruit of the Spirit isn't just that he's turning us into great people. He's conforming us into the image of Jesus Christ. And these fruits begin to bear from our lives as we are abiding in the vine, drawing from Jesus by the Holy Spirit, these fruits, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, long-suffering, faithfulness, self-control, all these begin to begin to blossom in our lives. We are becoming like Jesus. Now, a couple weeks ago, we talked about the next steps. What is the next step in our discipleship journey? And so as we walk the path of our lives, we are constantly, constantly coming to forks in the path, choices. One path is to obey Jesus the Holy Spirit is urging, drawing us, empowering us, as we allow him to, to take that path. And the other path is the flesh, the flat path of the flesh. And our flesh is also urging us, take that path, take that path, take that path. That's what Paul's talking about. The fruit of the Spirit, walking by the Spirit, the fruit or the works of the flesh walking in the flesh. And sometimes, and I've had this happen to me, our flesh tries to play a trick on us and tries to spiritualize. It's, you know, God, listen, God is saying, you know, lose the love. Render some vengeance here. That's what's called for. Or ditch the gentleness. Let go of some harshness because that's what will honor God in this situation. But if we're listening to the Holy Spirit, he sends alerts. Hey, wrong flight, wrong path, wrong way. And if we're listening to his Spirit's voice, we're, we're hearing that. Is, is that response like Jesus or is it not like Jesus? Am I honoring Jesus? Am I becoming like Jesus? Is it the fruit of the Spirit? Or is it the fruit of the flesh? And so every day we come to hundreds of these forks in the road. Not just in our actions, but in our thoughts, in our motives. And in large part, the discipleship journey is choosing love and patience and kindness and gentleness self-control and goodness in the everyday moments of life. Now, some people who thought they were heading in the right direction, excuse me, but were heading in the absolute wrong direction are the Pharisees. We see them in the Gospels. They thought, they thought they had boarded the flight to holiness, to loving God more than most people, to really spiritual. They thought that was the flight they were on. But 
And they looked at their lives and they saw all the things they thought really set them apart. They were, they lived very differently than the common sinner. Their lifestyle was very different than the common sinner. They prayed long prayers, long prayers. They had the Bible pretty much memorized. They knew the Bible better than you and I. They didn't have the New Testament, but they knew the Old Testament way better than we know it. They lived strictly holy lives, strictly seeking to obey the Bible. And they didn't associate with sinners and those people that aren't as serious about God as they were. Jesus said in their hearts, they were rotting away. They, were, they looked good on the outside. Inside, they were full of dead men's bones. Pride and hypocrisy and self-righteousness ate away on the inside of them. And here's the crazy thing. They did not know it. We look at it and we think, yeah, well, they must have known. No, they didn't know it. They really thought they were doing great. They really thought they were heading to Daytona Beach. They thought they were heading towards God. But I want to pause here because before we're too hard on them, I want to remind us, your flesh and my flesh is exactly like their flesh. All right? Our flesh is no better than theirs. Their pride is my pride and yours. Their hypocrisy is my hypocrisy and yours. Their self-righteousness is my self-righteousness and it's your self-righteousness. Their lack of compassion is your lack of compassion and my lack of compassion. Our flesh is no better than their flesh. The difference between them and us isn't our flesh. The difference between them and us is the Holy Spirit working in us to not redeem our flesh, but to put our flesh to death that Christ may live through us. God isn't trying to make your flesh good. Our flesh died on the cross, was crucified with Christ, and then every day we are to mortify our flesh. So when pride rises up, we don't pamper it, we kill it. Because things are going to rise up. How many of you are free of flesh? Don't raise your hand. I mean, come on. We, I mean, our flesh is constantly rising up with pride, self-righteousness, Apathy, selfishness, you name it. We all have like probably different areas where we excel in in the flesh, but, but it rises up and, in it, and, and then we have to put it to death. No, I'm not going that way. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can. That's the beautiful, beautiful thing about it. And so we should be asking, what's the next step in my discipleship journey? I think we should, as individuals and as a church, be asking, how can I help the other person, the person next to me, the person over there, the, the other person, find their next step in their discipleship journey? But we need to keep the destination in sight as we consider these next steps, or we may find out that we're going in the wrong direction. So if you've ever been to my house, my home office faces has a window facing the street. So as I'm working, I'm looking outside the window, which can be a distraction at times, but 
Um, and I see all kinds of interesting things happen out there. So the other day I was sitting there working and I'm looking outside and I see a dad walking along the street, right, right in the middle of the street. It's a quiet street. And his daughter is maybe 10 feet behind him. She's maybe three years old, just a little cute little daughter. And she's walking along following him. But something behind her gets her attention. And so she's walking, looking back, behind her like that. And she thinks she's still following her dad, but she begins to veer off. So she's now going in a completely different direction. And I watched the dad, he doesn't even know it. He's still walking, and she starts veering off. She actually starts heading right towards our lawn. And uh, I'm watching this unfold. It was so cute. And finally, the dad looks back and he says, hey, you know, watch where you're going. Come on. Um, those are good words. Watch where you're going. Watch where you're going. Where we're going is to be more like Jesus Christ, which means the next step is to become more like Jesus Christ. Are we becoming more loving? Is this step in the direction of loving or peace or kindness or gentleness? And if we aren't, we need to get our eyes back on Jesus so we can get headed in the right direction. Here's what I want to encourage us to do. Spend time in the Gospels. Spend time in the Gospels. We should read the Bible every day. We should read the Bible every day. And we should read the Old Testament and the New Testament. Amen? Don't buy people who say the Old Testament isn't important anymore. We just need it. No, 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 no. You will not understand the New Testament unless, as rich as it is, unless you understand the Old Testament. But frequently come back to the Gospels. Because in the Gospels, we see Jesus. We see his heart. We see his actions. We see, hear his words. And as the Holy Spirit allows us to read it, we're drawing much more than just images. He's working in our hearts through that. So we get to know Jesus better as we read the Gospels with a heart to lean in. What's he like? What's his heart? And we get that window in the Gospels. The work of the Holy Spirit to make us more like Jesus begins on the inside and it works its way out. It's got to be that way. It's got to be both working on the Spirit of God, working on our attitudes inside and actions outside. It's got to be like that. It's got to be like that because that's who Jesus is. Jesus is Jesus through and through. He is Jesus through and through. He had perfect integrity. His inner life was perfectly aligned with his outer life. And so he wants to work on that in us too. Sometimes the Holy Spirit works on our attitude, which then changes our actions. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will actually begin to move us to take an action, which actually then begins to affect our attitudes. But it's important to allow the Holy Spirit to do his surgical work in both areas of our lives because our integrity, our being integrous people, depends on us being both inner and outer, his work doing both. See, if we focus just on the inner, if we just focus on the inner, God working in my heart, in my attitudes, in my thoughts, and not the outer, we can easily become deceived into thinking we're obeying Jesus because we know something he said or because we feel something about what he said. But 
if it's not affecting our actions, it's just a concept. We become or are in danger of becoming, if that becomes our lifestyle, hearers of the word, not doers of the word. It reminds me of a parable Jesus talked about. Maybe you remember this parable. Jesus said there once were two sons. And the dad went up to one son. He said, son, I want you to go work in the fields. And that son said, yes, dad. And didn't go. He sounded obedient. His heart probably felt obedient. Yes, dad. The other son hears him and he's like, that guy is so annoying. He always says, yes, dad. Then the dad comes to the second son. He says, son, I want you to go work in the fields. And he said, no, dad. But after a time, he thought twice. He got up and he went into the fields and worked. And Jesus said, which of these sons was obedient? Not the one who had the cheerful attitude. Not the one that said, yeah, dad. Not the one who felt obedient. The one who got up and did what Jesus or the dad had called them to do. So we are in danger, if it all becomes internal, of deceiving ourselves. And not actually obeying the Lord, because it's got to work outward. But... The outward also needs to be connected to the Spirit's work inwardly because it's, bus- it's possible for us to be busy for the kingdom for all the wrong reasons, right? We can get busy for the kingdom, and the actions can be good, but the attitudes can be bad. The first part of the word action is the word act. And brothers and sisters, it is so easy for us if we're not careful, if we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to do his work surgically in and out for our outward Christianity to become an act. It becomes an act. We are not doing it from the right heart. We act loving, compassionate, kind, for the wrong reasons. Here are a few. I think I've done every one of these. We want the credit. We want to be known as a caring, loving person. We're concerned about what people think about us if we don't do certain something or others. So we're doing certain something or others. If you have a problem saying no to people, that might be uh, an issue. We might have a Messiah complex where we get off on people needing us and we get off on being the one who helps people. We might be driven by guilt. We might be driven by this sense that God isn't pleased with me unless I'm doing this and doing that and doing the next thing. So we want the Holy Spirit to connect to both. The right actions for the right reasons, from the right attitudes. That ain't something you and I can do. That is something only God can do in us. But that is what he is doing. And that's what he wants to do. And listen, it's never going to be perfect until we see Jesus face to face. We are always going to have mixed motives. Don't let that paralyze you. Don't let that stop you. We are never going to get this perfect until we see Jesus. And when we see Jesus, we will be like him instantly transformed until then it's a slow process and we're never going to get it completely right we 
are disciples on a journey and we walk with a limp. We have a limp in what we believe and we have a limp in what we do and a lot of times we're like that little girl getting off track but the Holy Spirit is there to bring us back on track and he's at work to renew our thinking and our actions to make us more like Jesus. So I want to remind us we have a cooperative role, but God is flying the plane. Amen? You're not flying your plane. I'm not flying my plane. God is flying the plane towards our becoming like Jesus. Our role is to let him do that work in us. One more thing before I close that's super important for us to remember is we need each other to do this. We need the church. We need each other. Absolutely ingrained and intertwined in the New Testament from the Gospels where Jesus says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, to the evangelistic strategy of all the apostles wasn't to go in, save people, and leave. It was to go in, see people saved, and then plant churches that they might grow as disciples in the context of a local church. And when I say church, I don't mean the hour between 10 o'clock and 11 o'clock a.m. I don't mean this hour when I say the church. There are 168 hours in a week, and surely God has far more for us for the 167 other hours. Amen? We are the church 168 hours a week. I happen to think this one hour is important. I can back that up in the New Testament. Their gathering together was important, but we are the church 168 hours a week. And together, together, we have a mandate and we have a mission. We have a mandate and we have a mission. The mandate is to love one another. Jesus said, this is my commandment, that you love one another. And we have a mission to make disciples of all peoples and all nations. Go therefore, make disciples in every nation. That is the great commission, that is our great mission. Disciples making disciples because that really sums up what Jesus did and what he came to do. And we're just following in his footsteps. Jesus loved, he served, he sought the lost, he died on the cross to rescue the lost and to build his church. He came to bring good news and then he calls us to imitate him in that. So I wanna, I wanna share just a couple of very brief practical applications for us to to take home, like how do we, what, what does this look like? It's not going to be exhaustive, but here's just a few thoughts to help us apply this, apply it, apply it to our lives and to our church. First of all, I already said this, but read a gospel. Read in the gospels frequently. Meditate on what Jesus does and how he does it. Pray and ask the Holy Spirit to align our hearts to the heart and actions of Jesus Christ. Ask the Holy Spirit. And, and wherever your life is right now, like whatever road, whatever fork it is, like ask him right there to align your heart with the heart of Jesus Christ. 
Thirdly, reach out to other believers. Reach out to other believers. Discipleship isn't something that can happen alone, and it's also not something that can happen in one hour a week. Discipling one another, encouraging one another in Christ takes being together more than one hour a week. It just does. It takes rubbing shoulders with each other. It takes life on life. And I, I, I believe, probably other churches as well, but we've lost some ground in that area, um, especially over the last two years. Let's work to get that back, okay? Let's work to get that back. Where we are in one another's lives. Now, that doesn't mean everybody's in everybody's life all the time, but where there is that sense of community. Isn't invite, invite people over to your house for coffee, for lunch, for dinner, for dessert. And don't worry about it being fancy. Paper plates and sandwiches is fine. The goal isn't to be fancy. Don't greet them at the front door wearing a tuxedo. Thank you for coming. Greet them in your jeans. Come on in. Throw a paper plate at them. The goal is just to get together and to share. Come out, come out to community groups, to prayer meetings, to Bible studies, whatever's going on. Make a connection. I'm not saying you have to go to everything and not laying a guilt trip, but find a way to connect. Because I guarantee you, if the one hour a week is all you have, and some of us got comfortable with that, let's not be comfortable with that anymore. Because it's not enough. It's not enough. We can't do this alone. We need each other. Fourthly, build friendships with those who don't go to church. Build friendships with people who are not believers, who are not churched, who are... Build friendships with them. I think that represents the heart of Jesus. The way most people are going to be reached with the gospel today isn't going to be through a track. It's not going to be through a tent revival or something like that. People are way too skeptical and way too sophisticated for that. You know what they need? They need relationship. People are not really looking for Jesus right now. They are in their hearts, but they don't know it. But the way that we can reach them, it's going to take a bridge of relationship. It's going to take them trusting that you're the real deal. Not the perfect deal, but the real deal. That they can see Jesus in you. Not perfectly, but they want what you have. You walk through a trial and there's grace in your life and they're like, how do I get that? Build friendships with those who don't go to church. Last thought, care for the hurting. Care for the hurting. Look for ways to care for the hurting. Jesus is compassionate. We see that in the Gospels over and over again. He is compassionate. Let's look for ways to show compassion. And I'm sure, you know, first of all, I know that many of you are way more compassionate and merciful than I am. And I always admire people that have that gift of compassion. But whether you have that strong inkling or not, look, let's look for ways to show compassion. I guarantee there are ways that people are showing compassion right in this room that maybe nobody else knows about. The person sitting next to you doesn't know it's happening. I was blessed in conversation with my neighbor, Stacy McCarsky, 
um, to find out she's involved with the Make-A-Wish Foundation, where you know the Make-A-Wish, where they grant wishes to children who are going through difficult treatment for cancer. And so she's one of those Make-A-Wish people who tries to help them have their wish come true, to, to add a little sunshine, a little light into their life. Um, I love that. I love that. Let's look for ways that we can, not artificially, but from the heart, because we care. And as God brings opportunity to show mercy and kindness in ways that may go unseen. You may never get someone clapping you on the back. But Jesus sees, and that's what's important. And that's what we want to tune our hearts to. Jesus constantly felt compassion for the hurting. And as we become more like him, we will too. So, let's watch where we're going. Destination, that God's working in us, is to become more like Jesus. As we see him, love him, tune our hearts to him, know him better, and then listen and obey, we are becoming more like Jesus. That's the next step and the next step and the next step and the next step. Let's bow our hearts in prayer. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your commitment to us, Lord. We are, like the disciples, so often getting it wrong, so often displaying a spirit that is not your spirit, Lord, but you are so committed to us, as you were to them, and we thank you for that. Lord, we want to pause and say, help us now, in the place we're in now, to grow towards Christ-likeness, to depend actively upon you Lord depend upon you but actively not passively actively depend on you to guide that next step to work in that inner motivation that is not glorifying to you to bring us out of that shell where maybe we're not doing something that we know we should that you're leading us to do Lord we're not out to do this in our strength. We can't. You're flying the plane, Lord. But help us to actively depend upon you and believe in you and your work in us. And let's go for this together in Jesus' name, Lord. Help us to do that. And Jesus, we love you. We love you. In this war-torn sin-filled, broken, hate-filled world. We see the shining light of God's redeeming love through you, Jesus. And we love you. And even that is because you first loved us. And we thank you so much for that, Lord. As we go from here, Lord, let us go knowing that there's still 167 more hours to this week. And let us use them for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Guys, have a great week. Look for ways to do some of these things. Get in the gospel. Reach out to people. Build some friendships.
with people that aren't in the church. Let's go for it. God bless.